Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez. And on tonight's episode, we have Matt Mogensen. He literally just told me how to say that, and I hope I didn't butcher it. Um, he ran an East 10 Drift this year. He drives a 350Z with the LS. Uh, super cool dude. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. I do want to say sorry about the lack of episodes lately. What was it, like three weeks ago? I had Kendra Messer on, and uh, she's she had been on before. I My memory card got full on my recorder, and I went to go make clear some space in the middle of our recording, and my dumb ass deleted the exact recording we were just doing. Don't ask me how, don't ask me why, but it happened. There's nothing you can do about it. I tried to save it, um, but I made the mistake of, doing, of recording again before trying to... Um, recover it and then it just kind of went to shit and then the next week i was supposed to have another guest on there was some timing issues that messed up last week i got mixed up because um matt was actually supposed to be on last week and i thought sema was this week for some reason but it obviously wasn't so we're back on schedule um just a little bit about the whole selling the podcast thing that's i'm not still totally against it um but I'm not totally convinced I want to at the same time. So that may not happen at all. That may happen. Uh, I, I'm not sure. It's like a 90%, 10% might do it. We'll see. Um, but thank you guys for listening to the show. To any of those new listeners, thank you. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. There's a lot of good episodes. I plan on having a lot more um tech stuff so we can get into car setups i know a lot of you guys drive s chassis um and the person i plan on having on is pretty well known for having this that car specifically set up he probably won't go into specifics he'll probably just kind of cover the basis of like how to obtain you know more forward bite or you know just to be specific like more side bite more grip more front grip, more like how to do that stuff. He won't go into like, this is what you need to have on your fucking BMW chassis. Like these settings, like, I don't think he's going to do that, but we'll see. He has to make a living off of it. So maybe you can ask him, He'll pay him. I don't know. Uh, again, thank you. Hope you enjoy the show. Have a good night. Cause I'm going to bed as soon as I upload this shit. Bye. Hello. Yellow. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, just got home a couple minutes ago. Tired. Long, long yeah. day. Uh, I bet. <laughs> I know. Sorry, man. It, I totally got our time mixed up, too, when you're like, yeah, I'll be home at 6. I was like, that's perfect. And I was like, oh, that'll be 9 o'clock my time. I can live with that. And my dumbass didn't even think that through. <laughs> yeah, I had no it backwards. <laughs> I ended up just going to the shop because I was like, oh, man, like I got to go straight home. But I ended up going to my shop a little, working on the car some, and then made it home. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, so, uh, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are, uh, what you do, where you drive. All right. My name is Matt. Um, people probably know me as Matt the Ginge. I drive uh, two different cars. I have a Nitrous VQ350Z and a, a V8350Z. Uh, so, one's used for fun, one's used for competition. And then the V8 one is your competition car, I assume? Yeah. Yep, V8-1's competition car that I built uh, this year, actually. I kind of wasn't planning on uh, making or, like, getting another car. I was 
for pro i knew i was going to do pro am mm-hmm. um and my thought was okay i'll just get, take the vq car uh refresh it some um up the nitrous and tune it because right now it's on stock tune and i just run nitrous through it oh, okay and that was my plan and i was like okay if i make it then i'll build another car for pro 2 or whatever happened and i ended up finding a really good deal out of a California. I don't know if anyone knows him. KL Fab. He does cages over, um, over there. So he had his V8 car he was getting rid of, and uh, it kind of just worked out. I sent him, uh, sent him money, and it took a little while to get shipping organized. I never even saw the car. We went over it over Skype and everything, or FaceTime. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I saw the car, and I was like, okay, this is pretty much what I'm looking for. It had the the V8 platform. It had a cage already in it. So I was like, okay, it's a good starting point for a car that I can get ready for this season. And uh, so I bought it, and it took about two months to find someone that was able to ship it um, because I guess uh, Elon Musk was shipping out all his Teslas, so he was uh, outbidding everyone trying to get a cheap shipment out of Cali. Oh, damn. So so I ended up... uh, um, a friend of a friend who ships cars for SEMA, he was able to fit me on his trailer and get me get the car all the way over here and got it around Christmas time. So almost a year ago. Oh, okay. Not bad. So how long have yeah. you been driving? Uh, so I've been driving for almost three years now. Three, okay. I started in February of, I believe, 2017. I think it was just around the time Tyler Berry started driving. I was listening to his podcast. and So I guess we started around the same time and I didn't actually plan on being where I was today in terms of drifting. I kind of just wanted it. I, I had a friend, Adam, Adam LZ. I'm sure a couple people know him. Um, he started driving. I, I always played in video games and I always kind of like knew what drifting was. But to me, it was always something like, oh, like professionals do it. Like the rich people do it. Like it just never something that, oh, you know, you can just get a car and start driving. And uh, I watched him go through that whole process of, you know, getting a 240 just going to a local track and just start driving. The, so I realized like kind of not necessarily affordable, but how attainable it was for just kind of like an average person to get into this hobby or sport. Um, so I ended up, I had a Civic, uh, HN Civic SI. That was, it was fun. Um, I still kind of missed that car. It was, it was peppy. And then I ended up uh, getting a BRZ. That was ever since the FRS came out. Uh, I, the second I saw it, I was like, I'm going to get me one of those one day. And eventually I finally got myself a 2015 BRZ. Um, it was fun. And, uh, I was like, okay, I'll take it to the track. Maybe drift like once or twice a year. You just like, you know, a fun little side hobby. First time I went drifting in February, I knew it was over. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this as often as I can. Um, so I drifted that car for probably, I don't know, four or five months until I realized that it was starting to get into like, okay, I want to start tandeming with people. I'm starting to get close to walls. And this was my daily car. Like th- this yeah. is all I had. So I, uh, I wanted to get a 240 like everyone does for their first drift car. And, uh, Adam and Taylor convinced me they were like, just get a 350 Z. Like it's like the perfect platform. This is before I really saw like anyone drifting much. So I didn't know what there was in the scene. I didn't know like how it worked. I just knew 240 equals drift car. So that's what I want to do, and they convinced me to get a 350Z, um, which is my – I actually bought – I've, I've been through three 350Zs. So I bought one. Some guy won one in a raffle. Oh, so shit. I like super – like, yeah. So 
he ended up like getting it for basically free for how uh-huh. he got in a raffle. So I was like, okay, I'll come, I'll get that one. Like I'll buy it off you, even though like you're making money, I'm getting it dirt cheap. Um, it was kind of high mileage. So I got that one. I had it for a week and then I just realized like it had a couple problems. It had like random misfire and like it kind of like easy fixes, but I didn't know much about working on cars like when that happened. So I was like, I don't really want to deal with it. So I posted it. I gave someone else a decent deal. So, I mean, I made a couple bucks from it. I took some parts off it and, uh, I ended up getting the blue Z, which was my original nitrous VQZ that is completely beat up. I think it's been through, um, probably like eight doors. So it's, I think, yeah, so I think it's on its fourth set of doors total just cause we keep running into each other. But, um, so that was that car and I kind of built it as like my hobby car where it started off stock slowly added parts to it and uh it is what it is today um which isn't much in terms of like performance wise it's a stock motor Mm -hmm. um with a um simple nitrous express kit on it that never tuned it everything mainly just dealt with suspension cage safety stuff so just an all-around like reliable fun car to drive so that was my kind of journey up until uh up until that first car there and then, uh, was this your first year competing? And you competed in East 10, right? Yeah, this is my first year competing. Okay. So and you got, I kind of made the decision. And you got your license, correct? I did get my license, yeah. So I finished second in the series. By one point, I actually beat um, Nico Novak. So at, at, I think when they calculated the points at the event, they calculated him as second and me as third, and we were switched. So I, was, I ended up second in points, and he ended up third, um, which is uh kind of i'll get i'll get to that later but yeah so the points were super close for all of us right at the end there so um i was lucky enough to get my license and which was it was the goal but it wasn't my like do or die like i just want to go out and compete i didn't really know how i would do compared to everyone else um i've just only kind of been in orlando i've been like one track out of state i think um, outside of doing this pro-am stuff. So it was kind of excited to go out and actually drive, not a skid pad for once. Yeah. And then, um, what do you plan on doing with your license? You plan on going next year or are you going to wait? Uh, my plan is to go next year. Yeah. So I've already started stripping the car down and, um, kind of working on it slowly. I know I have, uh, Orlando got pushed back like a month. So I kind of just gained a month. So I think I have a little over six months to get the car ready. I'm still going to use the same V8 platform, but I'm doing a lot of changes to it, like a lot of fab work, complete motor build, force induction, obviously, um, dog box, everything to kind of just make it reliable. I'm not trying to go for like big power or, you know, like these crazy builds. I just want something reliable that will just well, that will that, work. That was, yeah, that was kind of my philosophy for this year. Like I didn't want anything crazy. Like my motor this year is a basically stock truck motor with a really mild cam and that was it oh okay uh five three or six point oh it's a six oh it was lq4 <clears throat> yeah those things are stout and they handle a little bit more they're able to handle more because obviously the iron block um but yep the... yep that's my plan for this is just uh have you had your car uh weight or corner balance at all? i have not no Dude. i have not Ugh. uh Mine is like 55% 55% of the weight's in the front, so I'm afraid to go iron block because it's already too heavy up there, and I, there's not much yeah. I can do to move anything. Yeah, that was the one thing. Like I, I 
kept my car as basic as possible. Like it was, it's stock ECU, um, like a yeah, basically stock LS2 ECU, and then um, basic uh, PSI wiring harness and everything. And the only thing complex I did for it was a rear mount radiator, which was kind of a last minute thing when I was talking to Mishimoto about getting a radiator to fit my car. Um, I was talking to the guy and he was like, why not do a rear mount radiator? And I thought to myself, I was like, well, why not? So I just kind of last minute decision just said, okay, let's send it. Let's do a rear mount radiator. How hard can it be? I don't know how to weld. I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but we'll figure it out with, I think two and a half months left until the first round of pro-am. Um, so yeah, this whole, the whole car was basically a learning project. Like before this, I didn't know how to weld. Um, I'd never pulled a motor out of a car before and the motor ended up needing a complete rebuild when I rebuilt it. So, oh, okay. uh, no, but yeah. So you've learned a lot in the past year, obviously a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, did you enjoy yeah, it though? I share a shop. Oh, a hundred percent. It I'm, was I'm definitely yeah. a lot of late nights. I think we, the car went from, it was a bare chassis, not even it was a rolling chassis, so it had um, just coilovers on it, completely gutted, nothing in it. Um, block was down to bare block going to the machine shop with a month and a half left till round one. Um, and then me and a couple of friends got the entire car together in yeah, about like 40 days um, from pretty much a cage and a bare block to completely put together motor and... Uh, everything together and we were actually tuning the car remotely during qualifying of round one holy shit <laughs> so that was hey, how did, how i have it, never had to do that do you just like tether it off your phone yeah so we were doing uh tether and team viewer and um he would remote in and he was tuning the car and we would send him logs and um he would make changes and then send us back so we would just we would literally do a lap data log everything send it back to him he how, would make changes we would sit there we would how are you data it. logging i'm asking because i uh, want to i'm on an e38 what the hell oh the new one that they came out with that you plug into the yep you leave it yeah, plugged so in right I, got, I know i need to upgrade mine yeah i actually got a good deal when i got it on amazon and oh, really? it was supposed to get with zero credits yeah because you need to like buy credits for it yeah i know that and I was like, oh, I'll buy it with zero credits and just buy some. And mine came with like six credits loaded on it. Dude. So I think Amazon oh, sent me the wrong one or something. So I got a let, decent deal. Let them. Yeah. Now I'm going to look up. Yeah. Because uh, I need yeah, to so, do mine. Yeah. we were So we were tuning during round one. Like we got the motor in the car three days before. Three days before we left. I didn't even get a drive shaft in until I think the day before. And I didn't start the car for the first time until um, the morning that we left for Pro-Am. And I never drove it. <laughs> Actually, no. I drove it once before at one event before we did anything to it. So, like, when I first got the car, I drove it one event. And that's when we realized that there was, I think, metal shavings. There was metal shavings, I think, in the old oil cooler that was in the car that got all through the motor. So, Damn. we had to do bearings and everything. So, that was so oil pressure went from, like... 35 at the beginning of the event to like 12 at the end of the event not from so, heat just from blowing it up basically yeah so yeah we went we went through it and there was just metal shavings <coughs> all through the paint 
mm-hmm. you could see just big scores on the uh on all the bearings and stuff so uh that's how we ended up you know just pulling the entire thing because my plan was with the car i was like okay it already has the v8 in it yeah so um i knew we were going to pull the motor but i was expecting to just pull the motor pull the pan off and just check and be like okay like it's still good like oil pressure is good and then put it all back together and have all this free time to like you know make the car nice and stuff like that but it ended up being a turn into like a complete head-to-toe motor like motor rebuild and get everything done and luckily i have some good friends i was staying up i think we stayed up till 1 a.m at least 1 a.m every single night for that whole like 40 days like i would would go to the shop we would work on the car till um the morning basically i'd go to work the next day and then sleep in my truck during my lunch break (laughs) so you kind of like get sleep in and uh go back to the shop and it was just that for weeks on it so definitely would not recommend building a car within a couple weeks of uh of an event but it had to be done so we made it happen and that's kind of makes the good stories yeah uh i did the same thing with trying to sleep in because i built my current car like within four months yeah and it was it was a pain in the ass and that was i think i had like two friends show up twice (laughs) outside of that yeah yeah, I was lucky enough to have – I had friends. Uh, my friend Hazem and Jonathan, they were wrapping the car. So I – neither of them – I think my one, my friend Jonathan, he was he wrapped a car once. And then my other friend Hazem, he never wrapped a car. So he was like, we're going to figure it out. And I was like, honestly, it doesn't matter how well you do it. You guys are doing it. And, you know, I appreciate all that. So um, they got the car wrapped. And uh, I think the first event, it was just blue because we didn't have time to put the livery on which my sister designed the livery. Um, she's a graphic designer. So she made all that and it was kind of like a family and friends effort to get the whole car going. And yeah, so it, it worked out in the long run, but it was definitely stressful because one of the things with the motor was when we rebuilt the motor, I ordered all the parts for it Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay. And I ordered parts for the wrong generation for piston rings. So, anyone who saw me the first two rounds knows my car was like super smoky. Like it just looked like it was blown up. Um, so it was smoking nonstop. And that was because the, the, I think it was the oil ring, the oil ring or the compression ring was like a third of a millimeter undersized. So it slopped around on the piston and it was, you're because yeah. Um, oh yeah. Significant yeah. blow by. <laughs> And I was getting, well, the other thing is I was getting gas in the oil and then it thinned out the oil so much that that all went back into the piston. So it was fouling the plugs. So I would, it would run fine for, I don't know, probably like 10 laps or something. And then it would start dropping cylinders and I would lose power. So we couldn't figure it out. We thought the rings didn't seat like, oh, you know, it was bad hone. We like glazed the walls. We didn't, we didn't know exactly what was it. And then, um, after like doing some research and stuff like round one we're like oh it was bad tune because we were tuning we were remote tuning so we're like okay bad tune it was running too rich we were following the plugs all right we'll get on the dyno after the fact so we got on the dyno and we were still having that smoking issue and tuner was like oh bad head gasket and i was like i can't be the head gasket like i don't i don't know and we just went through all these things and eventually after we got a decent tune on it like it made 
okay power. I think it made like 300 to the wheels, 310, something like that. We're like, okay, compression was a little low. We didn't really know what was going on, so uh, we ran round two that way, and it we qualified first at round two, which was good. However, when we kept going through the event, we started dropping cylinders, and that's when I lost. I think my top 16 battle is uh, I dropped a cylinder in my follow, or like a couple of cylinders probably, so I lost all power, and I ended up straightening. So uh, I got knocked out of round two that way, and... After that, I was like, I can't, we can't deal with this for the rest of the season. So I pulled the motor again, <laughs> rebuilt it again. So I, I redid uh, rod bearings, and um, that's when we figured out the, the piston rings were slightly undersized mm-hmm. and replaced all those, got it back together. And, and you're, got did you build it yourself and your builder didn't catch it, or it was you that built it and you just didn't know any better? Uh, no, it was it was me. Well, it was mainly my my friend Marco and Taylor Ray, and we built it in a couple nights. They helped it out. They helped me out, and it was one of those things that um, we put it together, and you wouldn't even notice unless you were like looking for it. It was kind of like you put a piston ring on, and you're like, okay, the piston ring's on. Like it's not like it's too big or it doesn't fit. It just it was on. And then I did some research, like oh, like bad rings and stuff will do that. So when I found it, I just noticed a slight bit of slop, and I I picked up my uh calipers and i measured it and i found it was it was just the slightest bit undersized and that amount was enough to cause that issue shit did you so did you end up sending your your block back to the machine shop or you just kind of put it back no i no i didn't i since i still had oil because i've done that too so yeah yeah i still had oil pressure like good oil pressure and everything and i noticed on one of my rod bearings there was a little scuff in it so Mm -hmm. i was like while i'm in here it's 15 bucks for new rod bearings yeah um, so Before I just replaced bad. those while I was in there. Yeah. So I just replaced those while I was in there, um, put new, uh, piston rings on and then put all back together and it was fine. No smoking issue anymore. So I was like, okay, I know that was, we solved that issue and we got it tuned and it made 345 horsepower, three, four or three fifty torque was our final number, but it made that like all the way through the river range. So I, I did some bit of torque pretty much everywhere. Uh, so I knew, I was like, okay, I have a working car now. I have no excuse to not do well. And then I uh, ended up winning round three because of that. So I'm happy we figured it out. Yeah, that's probably helpful. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I got a little bit of a cough right now. So um, where, what is the... Uh... What else did you guys? Ha- what else did you have in the car? Like, what trans were you running? CD09, the CD009, uh, or the T56? Yeah, CD CD09. Actually, CD09 for the first three rounds, and then at Grid Life, I actually broke the input shaft, and like the second run group of Grid Life. So I, uh, it was kind of like a do or die situation there. I was like, all right, I'm gonna fix it. So I dropped the transmission in the pits at Grid Life. Um, Dustin Miles, who had a shop right down the street, ended up having just like a cheap. Like, I think like 2003 350Z trans, so like not even a good one. And he was like, oh yeah, I grinds gears and stuff, but you can have it for cheap. I was like, it's better than nothing. So I put that in the car, so I cut the bell housing in the, in the parking lot basically and put that in the car and ran that for the rest of Grid Life and round four as well. And it made it, and it's still in the car now, but um, probably going, oh, I am going dog box for next year. Um just for, you know, we're going to be probably doubling the horsepower and, uh, you know, I want 
crisper shifts. I noticed that I had some miss shifts with the um, with the CD. So yeah, what do you, uh, which which dog box are you gonna go with? There's like so many damn options. You have like the Andrews, uh, you have the G Force. Um, I've been finding like uh, other ones lately I didn't even know existed. I've been mainly focused on like the G Force GSR, or, like the T one hundred one. Is that oh that's yeah. a side shift, right? The the T one hundred one A is the or the what is the GF four A is the side shifter, oh. and they're slightly cheaper, but it's like the same internals as the the GSR. GSR is kind of like what it's kind of like the what all the high end guys run. I was actually trying to buy Forrest Wang was selling a cheap one or not cheap but a good deal on one out in Vegas and I messaged him and unfortunately he won't ship it so I was trying to get someone at SEMA to go and pick it up for me or like just pick it up and ship it back and uh, I wasn't I wasn't able to get anyone in time to go and meet him over there so dude I drove there Unless last Tuesday was... oh. from LA yeah. to go to a stupid seminar well it wasn't stupid it was actually it was really insightful um and then I drove my ass back home. Slept like two <laughs> hours and went to work. Um, so you guys, you couldn't find anybody that was willing to uh, do that for you. No, no, and it's like I don't, I don't want to hassle anyone with like you go going super out of the way to just get this transmission. It's like I have time, and it's not, it's not something I need now. So I'll find a deal. Yeah. Um. Eventually, like that's why I put. A I don't understand out, why like, people don't want to ship things. I, I. To a certain extent, I get it because, like, you have to get up off your ass and take it down yourself to the, uh, you know, UPS store or wherever. Well, with the transmission and stuff, like, that's, like, they're, it's kind of, like, heavy. Not necessarily bulky, but they're they're heavy where you're going to have to ship it freight. Yeah, and, you know what? Uh, I, sh- um, I had my engine shipped from Colorado. Short block yeah. and then just headers inside. It was, like, 250 bucks. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was like, okay, like, well, I was looking for someone, I have a friend that uh, that transports cars now, so he was supposed to be going out to SEMA, I don't think he, he ended up going, and I was like, oh man, like, you know, throw it in a back seat, or like, just strap it to the, to the trailer it. or something. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was basically just trying to find someone that was driving back with the that from there to Florida, because we're kind of in like the corner of the country, Yeah, so I know. getting <laughs> stuff down here is really yeah. annoying. Wait till you have to go to Seattle, like, that's nuts. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. Well, I just saw the new FD schedule, and round four is in Sonoma, California. That's like clear wait, across. Wait, are the they skipping from... Seattle? Did I miss that part? Uh, yeah, I think because the new. I think I, I, are... I might have just got it mixed up with Seattle and Sonoma. But if it makes you feel any yeah, better, it's... driving from your distance, I don't think yeah. it's that much of a well, big difference in mileage. Uh, I don't know, but like, yeah, because my plan was from last year was okay orlando's first round orlando speed world is like my home track and that's 20 minutes from my house so yeah. i could honestly street drive the car there if i wanted to dude i live like down the street from irwindale i feel you on that yeah so like <clears throat> it's super nice i was like okay round one's gonna be great like yeah i know like it'll be my first pro two round so i'm not gonna it, be knowing what it, to expect but i'll have my shop right near my house or right right near the track and i'll have my house <laughs> there so like it, it'll be great savings for like hotel and travel and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Cause you can stay and at home. Then, yeah. And then I was like, okay, a couple weeks later we'll be Atlanta. So I was like, it's Atlanta is like seven hours from me. And so it wouldn't be that bad, but now it's, um, we're skipping Atlanta. So no more Atlanta for pro two. I know. I thought that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. I thought oh, when I first saw the schedule, I didn't know which rounds pro two was. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. You start with Atlanta. Say that. That'll yeah. be fun. 
Yeah, um, but yeah, so I'm kind of bummed that I had a lot of fun at grid life driving that layout. Well, not the actual FD layout, but uh, in general, just but driving just that hit, track. Yeah, and, just hitting the track, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so I'm kind of bummed that not driving Atlanta, but I'm excited for uh, for the the new round at uh, E-Town. So, yeah, that looks exciting, too. Yeah, that looks yeah but my, like, total, my total driving time went from, like, I think it was like 80 hours round trip for all four rounds to now it's like 170 hours round trip for all four rounds. So I have a quick, I have a serious <laughs> question for you and it's not to be negative anyway. Um, so let's just say you don't do well at, uh, in Florida, are you still going to continue to do all the rounds? Let's just say you don't uh, even qualify. I, I think it depends on the reason why okay. I wouldn't do well. So like if, if it's, if I go out there and I literally like can't keep up with everyone, like, I'm clearly less skilled than everyone and my car is just not up to par. I wouldn't, I would, I think I would do probably one more round just to say, okay, we had a fluke. We'll see how the next round goes. Yeah. But if it's just like two rounds of just being straight shit show. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's just like, it's bad, which honestly that happened to me pro-am this year. And if I didn't, it's yeah, see, it's tough to call it. Cause like pro-am this year, same thing happened to me where I went two rounds Oh, it just didn't go out how I planned. Like I qualified but, well second round, but but it obviously just, your it, driving says otherwise. It wasn't because of you. It's because you know complications with your car. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I felt. I told myself that with prom this year. I was like, I have no reason to not do well. Like I, I drive all with friends. Like I drive a Seto a lot, and I like I I know that I have like the skill to like drive and compete i don't know like compared to other people there's a lot of good drivers out there uh, um but i was like that was why round three it was like i have to i have to do it this round like this is it for me and um we had a couple hiccups but luckily we were able to make it to the top of the podium and that was that was kind of like a huge turning point in the whole program thing like obviously uh we were all like kind of like down like man like i don't know how this is gonna just go like I really wanted to go out my first pro am year and just like go and just dominate and just do well. And after the first two rounds, I was kind of discouraged. Like, man, this just the car is not working right. Like, you know, we're just throwing everything we have at it, and it just wasn't working. And then we finally got it back together, and I'm I'm glad I stayed. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, and since you brought up Assetto, um, I always get a lot of listeners who ask like. How much do you think that Assetto has helped you? And then also, if you want to just kind of like go into a little bit like what you have as far as your setup goes. Yeah, Because sure. everyone thinks like they seem to need like the top tier, you know, they need four screen or three screen, whatever the hell it is. I don't know. I don't have yeah, it. Obviously, I don't, obviously yeah. I don't have it. Three monitors, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but if you want to get into that a little bit, because I think that's a yeah, good so, investment. I just haven't spent the money yet. Oh, yeah. So... I always played like Forza and all those games like growing up. I think it started with Forza 2 or 3. Um, and yeah, like I said, like I, I always liked drifting in those games, but I never really knew about like the whole drift scene and like Formula Drift. I didn't know about that till a couple of years ago, actually. Um, so then I got Assetto. Like I, I knew Assetto was a thing and I was like, okay, I'm going to get a sim rink. Like I had a, the old Microsoft steering wheel that came with, or that you could get for the 360. And I played with that for years and years. I finally got a, I have a Thrustmaster TX with the, um, the pro pedals from Thrustmaster. And I finally got that all set up and I started playing a Seto and I started drifting and I built a computer and I did get triple monitors for mine, but I got some, 
I got a decent deal on some Amazon ones. They're like 160 bucks a piece or something like that. Um, and uh, eBay monitor stand got all set up on my desk and mm -hmm. started playing and started learning to drift. And I got pretty decent at it where I would get into lobbies and pretty much anyone I would tandem with. And it was starting to get like really fun. And that it was about that time that I think Adam got his first drift car. So I was like, okay, like I can actually do this in real life now. Like I, I see like I could potentially do this. So I was like, when I was like younger, I would drift kind of like go-karts and stuff. So I, I knew the feeling of getting sideways in cars and doing it on the sim uh, definitely taught me. I would say it gets you about like 80% to where you need to be to start mm -hmm. drifting. So like if you can drift well in a seto, I would almost bet money that you could go out and in your first day go in like a drift like like a drift course in like a you know decently set up car so like a 350z with tie rod spacers like if you could if you can drive a seto every day no problem you would have no problem hopping in a drift car and drive and i actually use it to like learn tracks so like osw i never drove the oval because it's all everyone knows it's terrible on tires so no one really wants to drive it unless you have a lot of tires or a lot of money. Well, you need both. <laughs> um, so I played the Orlando layout on Assetto and I just played it over and over again and got really good at doing the FD layout. And then I went out there in my car one rainy day cause the rain will save the tires. And I did that and I just like kind of put it on the wall my first time. And I was like, man, this is, this is a lot of fun. Oh shit. Hang so, on, hang on. Not to go off too far off right now. You just brought up a rainy day. Can you change um, a settle to be rainy and kind of set your car up for that? Uh, they have. So the great thing about a settle is they are like <coughs> completely like open source with their mods. So every single like you can go and make your own mod. You can make your own track. You can make your own car. Everything about it. So people make rainy like like slick drift tracks. Um, yeah, so no, you can change like. like that's what I want to know because I think I had Rome on, you know, Rome Charpentier and, yeah. and he was telling me, he's like, I have never touched rain in my life. <laughs> and he See, didn't qualify. He didn't qualify at Atlanta. Ah, <clears throat> uh, cause of the rain. Mm -hmm. So See, that's where in Florida, in Florida, like it'll rain down here. I would say probably 50% of our events you'll see rain at least sometime, especially if you come in the summer. So I'd say 50% of the summer events because the winter events, you don't see the rain as much. And some people pack up and they go home and it rains. I, a lot I know, of us Florida I, guys will just... But but that just makes me wonder, like, are, is, is anybody out there... I'm sure somebody is, but are enough people going out there and, like, you know, using their using those settings to, like, kind of prepare themselves for every track? Yeah, I could see... For every track that's on that list. how they do. Yeah. Like, even if you go look at, uh, if you watch the Candy Machine YouTube page with um, um, Peter and um, James Dean, Peter actually goes and he plays Assetto before events. Like, he was practicing for Irwindale on Assetto to get ready for the next round. Dude. Um, that's, ooh, what's your cracking open there? Uh, it's a PBR, but it's <laughs> the, uh, I tried the 6.5 alcohol version. Mm -hmm. um, it's terrible tasting. <laughs> And I love PBR. Like, that's my shit. But this one is trash. But I already bought a 12-pack, <laughs> so I may as well finish it. After the first couple, they'll start tasting good. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's like, 
You know, like that bitterness with the IPA without the taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, that or yep. no, without the bitter taste, it just it just tastes like a lot of alcohol in it. It's just it's just not good. <laughs> it's not good. I think I got like three more left, and it's gone. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, with the aceto thing, it's it's a great tool to keep you like sharp. Like people who are down for a season, if they're not building their car for a while. Yeah. If you hop, hop on a seto once or twice a week, it definitely keeps you like on your toes, like kind of like the drift reaction. So even in situations like you'll see someone in front of you like start to spin, and your first time ever seeing that in person, if you've never like seen that before, you kind of don't know what to do. Where with like playing a seto, you would almost see it several times a day, several times an hour. You'll see someone spin in front of you or do something weird, and you just kind of like learn that muscle memory of how of to what to do and how to react to it yeah like what to do okay. in different situations so like when like if you were to hit a wall like if you were to tap your back in on a wall like on a bank or on a on a long sweeping corner the the first thing people tend to do if they've never done that before is let off the gas they'll let off the gas and you know oh i hit the wall i don't want to continue going into it where if you stay in the throttle you'll keep yourself off the wall and stuff like that and it just it's small stuff that you you don't know unless you experience it and aceto is a great way to experience everything without the consequences of wrecking a car i need to get it man it's worth it i know i know See, there's I, nothing that says it's a... not worth it it's just i'm like so deep into like whatever the hell i got going on right now like with this new mode i ended up switching oh yeah i ended up switching from triple monitors to vr and that oh. was like literally a game changer no way! Like, I did. I finally did VR for like the first time this weekend, or the past past weekend. My yeah. little brother had it, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I thought it was really cool. Oh yeah, it's but great it, for huh? like the drifting because you have the depth perception. Where like with the monitors, you don't, you can't see like how far someone is away from you. But with the VR, you can literally be in tandem and like stick your head out the window and see the other guy's door. And now I'm not a, complete. I'm not a gamer guy. At all. So it was like, any, I have an Xbox One just because my dad gave it to me. He's like, here, you can have this. Uh, do they make stuff like that for, is Aceto on Xbox One or anything like that or no? They they have Aceto. And the VR? For Xbox. VR, no. Shit. But you can play like Aceto on the Xbox and you can connect up a steering wheel and pedals and shifter and everything to your Xbox. Um, but you're kind of limited because of the main thing with the PC and Assetto is the mods. And by mods, I mean just like people making car packs. And there are car packs tailored for drifters, by drifters, that just handle very similar to how... Like, Essentially, you could build your own built. car, right? Like the one you already have? Correct. I wonder if Correct. mine's in every, there. Every detail. Yeah. I wonder if my shitbox is in there. <laughs> You can check. You could even, you know, have someone make it for you. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, completely – it's not, like, Forza Customs where, like, oh, let me just add this mod. It's, like, complete, like, game developer level custom-made cars, custom-made huh. maps and everything. So you can get literally your home drift track. And I was even talking to um, people at E-Town who were – they did the new layout for FD. I don't think it's released yet. Um, but they were telling me how – they're going to make an Aceto map of it, and people like us who've never driven the layout can actually drive the layout. Yeah, that's... 
I can see how that's beneficial. Um, I really can. That that makes a lot of sense. I really need yeah. to spend the money on it. But it's it's a great investment for for driving, especially like if if you're a person who can't go to the track all the time. Like if your car's down ever, and you're at that level where you're in tight tandems or you're really close to walls, and you want to get you want to get from that like level nine to like level ten, like every single lap. It really helps you I'm just get that muscle. I got level three, and I want to get to like level ten. <laughs> so, it it will get you there. I I promise you that. And it probably doesn't hurt when you crash as much. No, not at all. Yeah, I've hit the wall at Irwindale before. It's it's not fun. Ooh, no. Yeah. I actually hit the wall, cause like, knock on wood, I've never had, like, a bad wreck in a drift car. Um, I've only hit the wall, like to where I broke a wheel or had to stop drifting three times in my entire life and all through it at OSW and two of the times were actually back to back on the oval the last time I drove the car because I was like oh I'm done with the season I can like really throw it just in just go balls and, out yeah yeah and I was actually I was using old like uh old scrubs from Pro-Am so they had maybe half a lap left in them so I never even warmed them up or anything so um, I was just like chucking it in. Sometimes they had grip, sometimes they didn't. <laughs> and the what? two sets I put on back to back. Yeah, that's fucking great. What tires did you I run? Just hit the... um, I ran Achilles one two threes for a majority of like the I would say like top sixteen and above battles because I um, I was lucky enough to after Orlando, um, one of the FD guys was selling a bunch of it or like they had a bunch of spares that they bought or something. So I got a good deal on. Um, like 16, 16 or 18, one, two, threes. Um, so I was like, these are my pro tires for competition. And then during practice and like top 32 battles, I ran, uh, Kenda KR 20 A's, which are pretty decent. Actually, I would say they last long and they're kind of grippy for like what we're doing with them. I, I've heard that from some of you, like the Texas guys swear by it. I hey, I always tried down different down tires. Uh-huh. I I've tried different tires, try to see what's the best bang for the buck, and it I've always gone back to the Kendas. I gotta, it's just, I gotta get a set. I just I feel like they're just kind of like the best lap, like less dollar per lap. Okay. And the the new so the KR twenties, the original ones, um, they lasted forever. Like I could go pretty much an entire event, so probably at least fifty plus laps on a skid pad on one set on a stock Z power. And then on my V8 car, I would get probably like 10, 15 laps on the new KR 20 A's, which are, I would say probably about 20% more grippy, but like 20% less life. Yeah. Well, there's supposed to be some more tires coming out this year. I don't know if you saw GT radio is supposed to be coming back to FT mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. I just um, saw that. I'm curious yeah. if they'll be in the two or not. I'm I know as the official tire of Formula Drift, I would assume so, but who knows? Um, but I know uh-huh, like their current right now, there's only... their current setup is Go only ahead. it only goes up to like two sixty five. So unless they're releasing something else that they just kind of like keeping on hush, which makes total sense because every time you say you're gonna do something, you always have a whole bunch of people telling you we're just giving you shit about yeah. it. Uh, so there's those. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, good. I'm curious how it'll work because I know I think it's Nexon, some one of the tire brands. You're allowed to run, I think, 
a slightly larger size than your allotted weight classes for FD because they're a less grippy tire than like a one, two, three. So I, th I think it's an Exxon. Is that, I haven't heard that. And I've heard it's, a lot of uh, shit. I, I think, I think I, I'm almost positive. That's how, that's how it was. I think, uh, who is a Ryan Turk drive for tire wise? No. And he's on a because, 315. Um, yeah. So I believe he's on a 315, but his technique, He's technically like weight classed for like a three oh five. I might be making this whole stuff up, but I, I swear I heard something along the lines of that where they're allowed to run a slightly larger tire size, which could be beneficial for rounds like um Orlando, where if you go like balls out two laps in a row, you'll run out of tire like before or like mid last corner, before the last corner. So you kinda have to pace yourself and lower your wheel speed through both laps or else you will run out of tire yeah so that's where a wider tire like a 315 instead of a 295 or 305 is going to benefit you because you're going to have more rubber and it's going to last longer and you'll have the same grip as the other guy well for right now pro-am is uh supposedly vitor tires is finally supposed to make their big debut um, but they said that like two years ago too so they were supposed to come out in like well, not two years ago, two and a, a year and a half ago. So they were supposed to like come out super hot in 2018. I know they were like a little out there in 2017 with with one of the drivers in SoCal. Yeah. And then there's a new tire from Zestino called Zegnova. Yeah, I actually uh, there. I ran. You ran the Zegnova. Well, I think well Zegnova was brand at one point I, I guess did Valino you said Valino it was uh Zestino Zestino I don't know if they're a sub brand or they bought out Zecnova or something but I actually ran Zecnova's I think the beginning of this year and I, I bought a pallet of them and me and a couple of friends split a pallet and they were kind of comparable to the Kendas with a little bit more grip they were a really good tire, and then after that, I guess there was such a demand for them, I could never buy a pallet again. Like, I kept trying to buy pallets, because I really wanted to run them for Pro-Am, and uh, yeah, I just couldn't couldn't get a deal on them, so yeah. I, so I, yeah, the Zegnovas are really good. I'm I, trying to I see, did enjoy them. I'm trying to see, because we, so I ran in the Drift League, so we have a uh, setup with Milestar tires, and yep. I'm not good enough to tell you how good those tires are. <laughs> to be quite honest. And then, not to mention, like, the first time I ran them, I got, like, three laps in, two laps in on a slipping clutch, and then third lap, the clutch was like, all right, later. So that was done. Um, but I, oh, I'm really fun curious. Fun fact, if, you're, huh? if your clutch is slipping, I learned this from, from a friend, if your clutch is slipping, you can Shut sit there and pump the clutch. Do you ever do that? No. If you pump the clutch, it'll it'll get air because uh, it'll get air in your uh, – in in between your clutch and everything so it'll help cool it down so when you're coming back if you sit there and just pump the clutch again and again it'll just open and close that pressure plate and you'll just get air in there that's why uh osbo runs a fan on his bell housing to get clean air through his um bell housing to keep the clutch cool yeah fun little fact there <laughs> yeah i i saw that papadakis that papadakis uh youtube episode too or no no that was just uh, on his instagram 
I think it was on his. I I enjoy watching him. Those are like the Dude, really yeah, fun, yeah. like I don't. I'm not. I, facts. I'm not a fan of YouTubers. Uh, no offense to anybody. Like I just <laughs> a lot of them. Like they just don't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But when I see like informational stuff like that, I'm super cool with it. Like I've only watched. I've only ever watched one Adam LZ video, and that was the one when he discussed when he was coming to Pro Two and how he was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But like the so stuff, that's for like yeah his con- I, like I, I don't like I'm, I'm not knocking his content not at all I just it's oh, yeah, just no. it's not it's just not something like I'm yeah, interested it's not in for you. yeah and that's where I'm the same way like I have friends that do YouTube I have, I have a lot of friends that do YouTube and I like I won't watch content like there's like I'll I'll watch their content and like support them and stuff but I won't watch another YouTuber that's like along the same lines of them I just it's not something I find interesting. What I find interesting is the technical aspect and like the why things are done. And that's why, yeah, like, that's why I like the stuff, um, Papagodaka stuff. Like, yeah. So I was kind of like inspired by that. So I know a lot of people were kind of like, are going to be in my shoes and were in my shoes where they're like, okay, I'm coming from pro-am. I want to do pro two, but like, where do I start? Like right now, like I emailed FD and I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm going to be showing up in Orlando for round one. Like, am I going to be on a list? Like, how do I even register? Like, I, I don't have any information about this. So what I'm going to do is I want to start doing like a, a video series on like how it's done, like what it takes to go from point A to point B and be completely transparent about like the cost, like how much I spent to get from like Pro-Am to Pro-2 uh, with the exception of like, you know, sponsored parts and stuff like that, which are few and far between. Yeah, some people kind of like disclose how much it really costs. And then a lot of people see that like as a, they're like, like Rome, for instance, he said, he's like, I yeah. spent about 15 grand running Pro 2. Yep. Um, and that's, people just see that as a whole. Like, and I yeah. don't, I always, I always try to say like, well, did you spend, you didn't spend 15 grand all at once. So let's just say you spent yeah. a couple grand here, a couple grand there. You know, if you yeah, if you thought, do it correctly, you know you can you can manage it. Jonathan Cash did a really good breakdown. Um, he drove in Pro Two. He has a G thirty seven. It was like the green and orange. Yeah, I know he. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he posted a a good breakdown of on like, his on his Instagram, right? I think it was on. Uh, he's I like he's, he's like it's Thursday. Thursday. I gotta fill up, and he's like Pete. He's yeah, like the he direct like deposit hits to tomorrow. The, down to like the burrito, like yeah, dude. <laughs> so that's, every every meal. Yeah. And it was, it was like, I, it was kind of disconcerting, like hearing, I think, who was it? Um, Lone Star, Aaron Lousy put out a video of like, um, how much each person costs, like for them to, for them to drive or like how much their program costs. And it was with, uh, Josh Robinson. And that he was like, oh yeah, that person probably smart. The way he speaks. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, like, oh yeah, that guy's yeah. Rig- or that guy's whole program is like a hundred thousand for the year. This guy's, you know, I, all I thought about was that same thing with drifting where it was like. I can't, I can't make that, like, I can't make that happen, like, there's no way I can, I can make up that much money, and then I hear guys, like, um, I cash, just saying, oh, yeah, I spent, you know, 15 grand for the whole season, this is how much it was per round, and it's kind of, like, spend money where you see fit, so, I think this year, doesn't Jonathan Cash also have, like, a thousand horsepower? Yeah, he has a decently built car, but, one of the things that's simple about his car, he's running like 
uh, at least from what I've seen, he's running like stock rear suspension, which is like bolt on arms. So he's not that full wise fab. He doesn't have that added complexity. He's stock diff, um, stock axles, everything like that. So, and wise fab front. So essentially same as me where I'm wise fab front. Um, I'm working on another thing for rear suspension. Um, it'll be down the road, but it's getting all that set up and kind of like the, the car cost build for doing that whole thing is I think going to be the biggest budgetary item of this year. And then, so this year is obviously going to be the hardest because a you're a rookie. So sponsors look at you like, Oh, I don't know how you're going to do. Like I saw how you did in pro-am, but how do you look in pro too? So it's going to be, it's, it's hard to find like sponsor support, as well as the other I'm, drivers that have been in Pro 2. I'm learning get. that it's not necessarily always the fact or always the case, like how well it, you're doing. It depends. Yeah, no, it's... Have, uh, oh, go ahead. It, it, times have definitely changed from where it was like, okay, this guy's clearly the best, you know, even in all sports. Like I came from BMX, like racing BMX. So it was like, it used to be like, this guy's really good. We're going to sponsor this guy because he's good. And then social media came out and now it's, we don't care how good you are. You have the most people that see what you're doing. So it's hard to compete with those guys. So when you go in and you say, I've competed in this and this and this and accomplished this and this and this, and they'll kind of come back and say, okay, I get that. But how many people saw that you did that? And that's where it's hard for like guys coming up and stuff to find sponsors and there's ways around it. There's ways to, you know, market yourself and say, this is what I can do. It's like, yes, I can't preach to, you know, a hundred thousand people, but I can help you in this way. And that's where I've learned with like talking with sponsors and other people that, um, don't have as much social media presence is it's not about, you know, how many followers you have or like how well you do. It's just kind of like how you go about marketing yourself and how you go about saying how I can benefit you because essentially a sponsorship it's they're not giving you free parts you're providing them a service and in return they're helping you out and it's it's kind of like once you realize that you know how can I help you out everything that the ball starts to get rolling and things kind of start working out for you yeah um that seminar I went to in Vegas Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about sponsorships, so it was a free spot. It was a free seminar out at Speed Vegas, and it had um, the gentleman that wrote the book. And I'm gonna. I think I saw you post about it. I was thinking yeah. about picking up that that book. Get it? I it's twenty bucks, man. You you've spent yeah. You've spent more yeah. on less. <laughs> That's uh. a, that is a drop in the bucket. I've spent twenty bucks today. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's called uh, Motorsports Marketing and Sponsorships and. That's by Alex uh, Stryler. I hope I spelled that right. Um, or sound, pronounced that right, rather. Uh, dude, I was like, a lot of the stuff is kind of like shit. I, I would kind of see as common sense, so to speak. But just yeah. to hear it like reiterated or worded, you know, differently, it just kind of like solidified what I had already, what my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What I had already thought. Um, and, and the biggest thing I took from that whole seminar was just to be, they kept using the word organic. Yeah. Um, that's definitely like, I don't, the one thing is like, don't fudge the numbers. Like, yeah, 
fake. Don't say like, oh yeah, I get thirty thousand views per video or whatever. When you really get, you know, ten views or something like that. No, if no, you're no, just it wasn't like that. straight up, it wasn't that. It was uh, it was it was be, so, organic. It just like within social media, uh, it, it felt like kind of like be yourself. It was be relatable. That's what I took from it. Uh, they never used the word relatable. I'll say that right now, mm. not once. But every time they yeah. pronou- every time they describe something, they were just like every t- like it always fell back to being relatable. So, like you know, I'm yeah. I'm just gonna use me as an example because I don't know you as well. Like I'm a guy with a kid who wants to do something. Yeah, that can be seen as relatable because I'm just doing it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um. Whatever your situation is, there's some guy out there. I, I don't know if you have kids or not. Yeah. Let's say no kids. No. And, you know, he wants to do something. He's just going for it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, that's why that's kind of like the same. Like on that aspect, I kind of want to go down like the, the video series route where my thing, I don't want to do it for like, oh, I'm a YouTuber. Like that's not my goal. It's more of like I've always said it like I want to educate. And then I also want to have this for like when I – when I'm in the future and I look back, I can be like, this is what I did through all this. Like, I don't, uh, not, not to sound selfish, but I'm not doing it for other people. I'm doing it just like for me, like, I just want to do this to have like, even my, like my pro and videos and stuff like that. Like I still haven't released my round three video. I, I round three and round four to, because I was just kind of like making sure like, this is the video that I want to see. And even in the video, I was like, if I want to tell someone like, this is what I did during that weekend, I can just show them this video and I would sum it up. And that's what this whole like road from like pro-am to pro two. It's like, I'm just an average Joe with a nine to five job. And I started drifting as a hobby a couple of years ago. And now I'm going to the professional level. How do I get there? And someone somewhere has either been in my shoes before in the same thing where it's like, what do I do? Or they're going to be, someone's going to be coming out of pro-am and they're going to be like, well, where do I go from here? And I want to kind of like, help in a way even if it's not 100 percent, just a way like oh this was a this was a good tip like i won't do it this way and then again eventually... that leads back to being relatable yeah that's what i was saying like that's what i took from that class and like that's exactly what i mean like what you're saying like you're just a normal nine to five guy i'm gonna document what i'm doing because someone else is gonna go through someone's gonna relate to it yeah and social media like like twitter and like instagram it's hard to relate like like you're portrayed so different because that's all everyone sees. Like you never post the bad stuff. Like at least mm, for most I people, do. like mm. Twitter, <laughs> most people at least like, um, like on Twitter, like I sometimes I'm more, I'm more open on like Twitter, but like on Instagram, I'm not going to post like, Oh, I did this. Or like, this is, this is a small thing, but like people don't see that side of people's like social media as much, even just like the small little, like, Oh, I'm bummed about this or this affects me. It's like, kind of everyone's in the same boat where it's, you know, no one's like perfect with all this stuff. So kind of showing like, yeah, there's hardships, like how basically I've slept in my truck probably at least, you know, a couple dozen times this year in my work parking lot, just so I had enough sleep so I could do this. It's not all like, Oh, glamor, like, Oh, we're, you know, working on the cars and traveling and stuff. It's like, there are huge sacrifices that kind of like have to be made and, it's, you know, it's all how much you want to, like, put into everything. And, yeah, I just kind of want to show everyone, like, what it's about. 
No, and then uh, how often are you doing those? Are you just kind of doing them whenever? What do you mean? The YouTube stuff. Well, I haven't started yet because I, I, I did a lot on um, from the Pro-Am stuff on my, my friend um, Marco. He has a YouTube channel, Drift Happy TV, and we documented all of like the building process from start to finish of that car from uh, – for this whole season that was kind of like he helped me out he got his content for his youtube and he we got to document all that and then after this it started he started going and doing his projects and i said okay i want to do this video series of like how much does it cost and that, that was that whole idea so once that starts so once the build starts which is probably later this week or next week that's when i'm going to start kind of posting into it and since i've never really done you know vlog style stuff and I've never had like an interest to do that stuff until now. It's kind of going to be a learning curve where I might post once a week or a couple times a week where I don't know how to get into it. And it's, you know, one of those things where I'm going to have to look to other people and say, okay, what did they do that worked? And um, kind of just figure it out along the way. With, uh, with you coming into the season, like, what were your expectations originally when you first decided to compete? Or actually, what even made you want to compete? Uh, so I'll start with wanting to compete. So when I started drifting, um, it was super just like – it was just about fun. Like I never had any desire in the world to go compete with anyone. It was just super fun to just go out, especially just like solo driving. Like when I got there, I was like, this is great. And then I saw like all the tandem guys, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm almost ready for that. I don't know yet. And then um, they're like, all right, you're going to do it. So I eventually started tandeming. And that was like, I know you remember your first time ever tandeming where it was just like, this is like a whole new level of drifting. Like you don't even want to go drive solo anymore. <clears throat> so I started doing that and driving. And then at, um, at OSW, we started doing these like weekend events called like, we had like Black Friday, like we have a Black Friday event coming up where it's a three-day weekend of driving and festivities. And it's I, I like to call it, like, it's like a grassroots grassroots grid life, essentially. We're just kind of, like, partying, driving, whatever. So, anyway, they had this, they had a portion of the event that they just started, and they called it King of OSW. And it was basically a round-robin tournament. You just got in line, and you battled the person that was still king. So, you would just do a lap. It was a tandem battle, and you would do a lap, do your tandem battles, they would judge you, winner stayed on, loser got kicked off. And you went through everyone. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do well at this, but I'll compete, whatever. I ended up winning <clears throat> that King of OSW thing. So I won like a set of tires and this whole thing. And I was like, that was kind of like my training port point of maybe it's not just driving for fun. Maybe I could actually go and do something with this. And this was probably two years ago. And uh, so I, I drove for fun, me and me and Adam and Taylor, we had our, our thing for a while with our three Zs. And uh, we went to Stacked Motorsports Festival in uh, Pocono. And it was a team tandem competition. And we won that. And that's when I, I kind of was like, okay, maybe maybe I should kind of pursue this. And that's when I started looking into the whole Pro-Am route. And um, looking outside in from back then looking at pro-am seemed like it was like pro two like you had to have this crazy car which crazy you don't. everything you don't and 
I, I was overthinking it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to build this crazy car. It's going to be like, you know, LS with like nitrous and like all this stuff. And then kind of watching videos and seeing, I kind of like toned it down. I was like, okay, I'll just go out there and see how it does for a season with the nitrous VQ. And that's where like, I got the idea, like, okay, I'll just up the nitrous to keep up with all these guys. <clears throat> and go do that and then that's when that whole thing where i was like okay i'm really going to do pro-am like i started saying like planning things and that's when that car kind of someone i forget who tagged me one of my friends tagged me in it and they're like yo this is a deal on a car you should buy this and it just kind of all snowballed from there and uh that's how i got into the competing side it was it was more of the i think it's fun to like tan to battle someone and you know they're trying their hardest to beat you and you're trying your hardest to beat them and you're able to like outdrive someone i think that's that's like the the aspect that makes me enjoy competing it's not that like like if i lose it's fine it's whatever like i still drove i still had fun i'm not gonna be like a poor sport and like i was always that way through like when i played like hockey in high school and stuff like even with when it, we lost it's invigorating <clears throat> it's kind of just like you know what it happened we'll we'll do better next time and we'll figure it out and that's the same way with drifting where it's it's not that like my end goal is to win everything like i'm not going to be mad if i lose an event or stuff like that like i'll be disappointed that i didn't make it all the way to the end but you know after a few minutes of being like man i lost it's back to all right let's go have fun again yeah so that's my whole thing with competing with where the first two rounds of pro-am like i said i didn't do so well because of a car and then after that i was like i have no excuse not to and then i didn't lose a battle i didn't lose a tandem battle from all of round three and then the finals of round four was the first tandem battle i lost since my car was working and that was because i ran out of tires and i drove the finals on a um a kenda scrub on my left wheel and then a achilles scrub on my right wheel <laughs> Dude, so uh were you out it, it didn't do so i was completely out of tires because mm. i actually had um i because during practice i was like okay i have this many tires left this is how if top 32 to finals this is how much i'll do i didn't account for one more time i had a one more time in top 16 because <clears throat> i didn't listen to my spotter that's another good thing is listen to your spotter if you have one or someone to tell you how you did. Yeah, well, I didn't listen to my spotter, Steven. And I, on my lead run, I like kind of like gapped him. And I, I think he straightened behind me. Or, I don't remember what happened exactly, but I kind of had the advantage going into my follow run. And all he said on the, on the walkie talkie was like, all right, just don't enter close. Like you don't need to be on him. Like, you can just kind of play catch-up through the whole round, and you'll be fine. I was like, okay, I'm going to enter on his door. And <laughs> that's what I did, and Yolo. it just kind of came back to bite me. And it was one of those things where I think my car was more gripped up than his was. So you're, I was, like, kind of running him over on the bank. And because I didn't make enough power, really, I was in fourth gear. I, like, can't just sit there and left foot brake and roast him. So I was nonstop, like, clutch in, handbrake, clutch dump, and it just looked really bad. <clears throat> to the judges so we ended up getting a one more time and that was my extra set of tires that was meant for the finals because of that so i ended up losing the final battle which back to what i said at the beginning of the podcast 
um, with the points being so close. I didn't know this until after, I think like the week after or whatever, but if I would have won the final battle, Tyler Berry would have been third in points and he would have gotten his Pro 2 license and Nick Novak would have gotten fourth and he already has his Pro 2 license from Lone Star. So, so it's all your fault. It's all my fault that <laughs> Tyler didn't get. I Dude. felt so. I still feel bad. I still feel bad. But he, I'm the reason that he didn't get his license. I don't see. I don't see Tyler being a snob about it. He's like, nah, I guess I gotta drive better next time. And I, and I feel so bad. Like, like I, I, like we drove together. We tried. I think round three, um, I had an alternator issue during our like top 32 battle. And since it's double elimination, I actually, I, I was able to move on through that. But um, we were supposed to battle, and I, like, got knocked out. And then me and him battled in the finals in uh, round three at Bristol, and he had, like, a boost issue or something, so we never had, like, a clean battle. So we never actually got to, like, legitimately drive with each other. So we were kind of, like, friends because of that. And then after that whole thing, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, I got third, or I got second at the event or whatever. And then it was... After the fact, I think my dad told me he was like, "Yeah, if you'd have, if you'd have won that last battle, Tyler would have gotten third. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I feel so bad now. <laughs> I still feel bad. I like, I don't know. I think we're all just tired at the end of the day, and that's when we like threw those tires on. We cherry picked all the tires, and we're like, these two tires have the most tread left. Like, I didn't even warm up the tires when I when I did my uh, initial follow. Like, I just drove out there, kind of like scrubbed in the fronts, and then that was it." So, because I was like, I'm not Crossed wasting your any fingers. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was one of those like, man, if we would have just brought an extra set, or if we would have done one less lap in practice, something like that, or if we wouldn't have had, if I would have listened to my spotter and had an extra set of tires, it could have changed the difference. But I don't know. Nick Novak's still a really good driver. He, I think he would have gotten me either way. If you if you watch like the replays and stuff, I think my follow compared to his, his follow. I don't know. It's one of those things where, I don't know, I guess we'll we'll meet each other in Pro 2 and we'll settle it there. Right. <laughs> he was actually supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago, but, like, some, um, we had some bad scheduling issues, uh, okay. and it just didn't work out, so, uh, and then last week was SEMA. I thought it was this week for some reason. No idea why. I'm glad I didn't request <laughs> it off, because I would have requested off the wrong week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, been there. <laughs> yeah, so... But it's. Have you been to SEMA before? I have not. I was actually I was thinking about going, uh, this year. But I'm saving days off for next year for Pro Two. Yeah, because that's, <laughs> like, that's what you gotta do with my work. I can like roll over, like paid time off days, so I'm able to. You're only allowed to accrue shit. like so many, right? Yeah, I get well. I get all mine at the beginning of the year, but I can roll over up to five from this year. So I'm kind of like, I did my pro am, and I'm gonna take off like two for Christmas, and then roll over the rest of them, and then I'll have, uh, I think just enough to run all of pro two next year. So I think it's it'll be like four weeks off total, and I think that'll be all my days off. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, I know. I just because I I was gonna go and I just changed jobs. But yeah. when I changed jobs, I they had to pay me out like 130 hours. Or no, 120. Uh, I was at 120. <clears throat> so that was cool to have a nice paycheck, but 
It was uh, it was like shit. Now I gotta start all over. Yeah. I got no vacation. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things that uh, that I really wanna like go to like next year. I think Same. next year will be good. I I like once like I have like a solid program together and I can. like i've seen a lot of people go out there as like presenting to sponsors and kind of like like networking and stuff over there sorry networking stuff over there um but i feel like once i have like a season of fd under my belt and i can be like you know provide results and hopefully build you know a social media presence and potentially a youtube presence if that goes social media don't you have like thirty thousand followers i think i have 36 See? It's been slowly built over years and years, but it's it's one of those things where, yeah, like social media is just kind of like a small aspect of it. And I've even had like I, I was necessary talking to evil. A, it is a necessary evil. And I was even talking to a I applied for a sponsorship for um, for next season. And I was like, listen, I'm doing pro too. Like, here are my social media numbers and everything. And they, they're like, hey, sorry, but your social media numbers aren't enough for our sponsorship. So, good luck. And that was it. And like, you know, there's nothing really you can do. You can't just like people will see if you go and you can buy followers on eBay. Like, <laughs> it's an easy thing to do. But you'll see when you know you have ten thousand followers and a hundred likes on a photo. Yeah, they they brought that up in that meeting, in that yeah. seminar. They're like, don't do shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I. It's not even about like a follower account. It's just like how many people can you reach is kind of like what they're looking for. So, if like I notice people like they won't have a lot of Instagram followers, but all their content could post it like posted around on like different sponsors and like different pages and like stuff like this, and you're getting exposure, but it's not through your account. And yeah, like, when you when you can like leverage. I think uh, that's that's one thing they said they don't give a shit about is exposure. You're not gonna give fucking Target exposure unless it's like a new company starting. This is just what I heard mm-hmm. in this class. In the sem- whatever the fuck it's sorry, I, I'm gonna call it like a million yeah. different things. Um, <laughs> There's actually uh, they don't give a shit about uh, exposure because you're not gonna you're not gonna tell more people. There's not someone out there who doesn't know about Target. Yeah, so whoever's listening to this isn't the first time they heard Target. Um, what are you gonna do to get people in the door? What are you gonna do to create foot traffic? That's kind of—it's like shit like that. Like, what are you gonna do to increase sales? So it was—it was, it was yeah. super simple. Like, as soon as they said it, I was like, "Holy shit, that's it!" <laughs> like, like, but and then you just gotta yeah. go about figuring out how are you gonna get more people into Target? How are you going to get people to buy more product? Um, mm-hmm. If a customer, if it's a company who makes something, how are you gonna get that person to sell product? What product are they trying to? increase in sales that year yeah and i think that's i think that's like i guess that's why like the whole like be relatable or they didn't say relatable what would they say it was be organic uh, organic organic and i think that's kind of like why it's the same thing it's like if people will like if you can talk to people and be like yeah this is the reason why this product is for you or something i think that's better marketing than some big name looking you in the face and saying you should buy this product now like i I think i'm actually going to ask him to come on after i finish reading the book mm -hmm. twice yeah that'd be really interesting to hear because i know because he's super fucking smart like going through this now like dealing like communicating with sponsors and stuff like that and potential sponsors like 
even to this day, I still don't know, like, what's the best way to, like, go about, like, like, the initial, like, cold call or, like, email, like, saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to get sponsors. Like, how do you do this? You're essentially, like, sliding into their DMs being like, hey, you want to help me and help you and stuff like that? And it's, yeah, I that's like a good book I'll have to read and just see kind of like how to get your foot in the door and talk to people and how to communicate with them. Cause like right they don't, now they I don't, they discuss that, but they don't discuss it in like a black and white formation where like, this is the proper steps to do that. Yeah. Um, they see even, like right now I, I, yeah. I treat it like half dude. The, like, go ahead. go ahead. The dude from <laughs> Permatex was there. The guy who sponsors uh, like Brian Turk. Um, yeah. Chris Forsberg. And he was even saying, like, he's like, I don't know how to tell you how to approach the situation. He's like, you just, but we know what's yeah. right and we know what's wrong. Kind of basically is how I kind of got it. Um, this is just me re, re, re like not necessarily reiterating, just kind of explaining it how I understood it, like to simplify it as mm-hmm. best as I can. And uh, he was just saying, like, you know, you got to first, what's your approach? Like, you know, you approach yeah. me shittily, like, you're going to get a shitty response. Yeah, and I a shitty response like... is no response. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, I've gotten those. <laughs> yeah, we all have. Um, um, and then knowing I the difference. I kind of treat it like. I'll, I'll just say one thing before you go. Uh, knowing the difference yeah. between a, a sponsored deck and a sponsorship proposal. Um, a deck is basically your information. Who are you? What are you doing? All that shit. Your schedule. Proposal. Yeah. What are you proposing? Um, because yeah. it's, it's in the fucking word. So my dumbass has sponsorship proposal on my sponsored deck. <laughs> so that needs to get changed soon. Cause I'm not yeah. sending it out again. I'm not sending another, I'm not sending anything out again until I finish reading this book and kind of see where I'm at. Yeah. But go I ahead. think a good, a good proposal goes a long way. Okay. Um, like I, so my first, like last year for Pro-Am, I did my proposal in Microsoft Word. And That's, I just hang on, like... <laughs> real quick. I'm not to cut you off again. That is where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a word document. That's what a proposal is. That's what he's. That's just the way it was explained to me. He's like your sponsor deck should be something well put together, like a PowerPoint, whatever people okay. use. Um, but you got to read the book. So the book will explain it way oh, better I gotta, than I can. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> I, I'm no. I'm. I haven't even read the whole book yet. I'm just going off of what they were telling me. Yeah. So like. My whole thing, like, last year was it was basically a Word document of, like, this is who I am. This is kind of like my car. This is what I'm going to be doing, and this is how I can benefit you. And that was kind of my thing. I had a couple pictures. Uh, obviously, I was building the car, so I couldn't be like, oh, here's what the cars look like. That, that was a difficult part. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It wasn't – so all the sponsors had to go off of – what I said I was going to do, not necessarily like, okay, here's everything ready. This is it. And same thing with pro two. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, car's not done. Like everyone's building a car for next year. Everyone's doing something. So you can only say, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. But yeah. So I had a, a friend who does graphic design and he's been in the automotive industry and done a lot of like, like pro one and pro two drivers, sponsorship proposals and sponsorship decks, I guess you would call them. And he, I basically hired him to do mine and I thought, okay, the couple hundred bucks it would be for him to completely like remake my proposal is worth the return on investment. 
of getting a potentially bigger sponsor payout or a bigger sponsorship or gaining a sponsor in general off of just looking more professional and and like presenting yourself better and that's where i was going to go with like i kind of like the way i see sponsorships it's like half applying for a job half dating like you gotta like make yourself appeal to be like oh yeah like i'm i'm the guy you want to be with but at the same time it's like it's business and you want to say like show them like I'm worth what you're going to pay me and I will give you back. Like I, I can provide more than you're going to provide me. I'm and worth the like, investment. Yeah. That's like, I'm worth the investment financially and, and your time. Yeah. And like right now I'm kind of like struggling to show like how, like how am I worth it to them? Like how can I prove to you that I am worth more than, you know, what you are willing to give out and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where like over the years, like I'm sure these guys have been, that have been drifting for like 15 years after they have it down, like no problem. They know exactly what sponsors want to hear. They want, they know exactly, you know, how much I ask for all this stuff. And it's kind of like navigating those ropes and kind of figuring out for yourself. Cause I guess before there was like no real information on it, at least that I could find now that that book's out. And then one of my friends, Ravi, his YouTube, I was trying to find his YouTube, but he put out a a pretty detailed video on YouTube about like putting together a sponsorship proposal for driving. And then he also talked with a couple manufacturers in the like automotive community that deal with receiving sponsorship proposals and what they like to see. So you can see like, okay, this is what your sponsorship proposal or sponsorship deck should look like. And then here's what the sponsors want to hear from you. And it was kind of very informative on people who don't know where to start. Like a year ago, or I had no idea what a sponsor wanted to hear. So I just kind of put together who I am, what I do and what I can do for you. And that's where I went from there. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed that, but there's also like different people. So like, mm-hmm. how do you approach, you know, just because we'll, we'll just start, let's just say that the person from ARP, right? He wants yeah. the whole sponsorship deck. He wants everything in pretty neat writing. And let's just say the person from tide, you want tide on the car, yeah. you know, they don't want that. They want to know how the, how in the hell are you going to sell more tide? Yep. And how are you going to guarantee it? Because it doesn't, yeah. and it's come to the point where it's like, it doesn't, you don't need to win a race to sell Tide. What yeah. are you going to do to market it? You know what I mean? It's just, it's, that's yeah. comes to something like that. And then just kind of being with that person, like, okay, do you, are you going to have a good relationship with that person? Like the person yeah. you're going to work with directly. And are you even talking to the right person? Yeah, I've had that issue before yeah. where I was kind of <laughs> contacting and I was like, hey, Hey, like you. I'm just trying to like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It, that's essentially like I'm I'm gonna email like support at whatever company this at is. Like, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm looking to get in the door, and they're like, uh, you need to talk to so and so. I had one sponsor where I bounced around between. I like sent an email, and I was like, hey, I'm looking at this, and they're like, oh, you need to talk to this person. So I talked to them. And they're like, nope, you need to talk to this person. They bounced me around between like three people, and then after the third person, they're like, you need to talk to them never got a response and i was like yeah i guess that's not a thing anymore so yeah, no, yeah it, but it's, like i said i think a 
what they said is a lot of it is approach and know, yeah. and you got to like know a lot of information about the company yeah do yeah. your homework and then uh i think one thing that i he's like every proposal is for who you're going for like yeah you know i i will tailor like when i when you i tailor send a proposal, yeah exactly i tailor to them and like I will say like this in this aspect, this is how I can help you or this is why I can help you for this reason. I'm not going to send it out. Like it's just some, some random thing. Like I'll, I'll take some time and I'll do research and I'll actually try and contact or like, like say something like about their company and how I can help them in general. I do have like a general one, like especially companies like, um, like bigger companies where if you have like, Oh, like I have a friend right now. He said, hey, my company has like a marketing budget and they might look for like a sponsorship. Like, do you want to see if they can like help you out or something? I have like a generic proposal. Like, this is what I'm about. Like, if you can help me, like we can discuss how I can help you. If I'm like, if I get my foot in the door and you're interested in something along this lines, like people outside of the automotive community where they don't really know like how I can help them and stuff. Um, I think it's just like getting your foot in the door in the first place for some companies is better than nothing at all. Yeah, and then um, I guess like I ha- the only sponsors I have are for product, mm-hmm. and um, I'm gonna talk to them this year because I wanna I wanna know how I can move more product. Yeah, and I can't ask them that. I gotta tell them how I'm gonna move more product. That's the difference. I can't be like, hey, what do you want me to do to move more product? I could be like, hey, I'm going to move this much product. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm noticing is the difference to try to get better stuff. Because I'd rather try it with them. They already know me. And they yeah. could tell me to piss off than to go piss off somebody else that I don't know. And I, I know that's <laughs> bad. I know that's bad. But uh, it's yeah. just it's just kind of like that's, that's how I learn. I, I don't know about anybody else. I was like, I fuck shit up all the time to learn. And I'm oh, yeah. not afraid but to do that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Like I, I there was one company I talked to, and <clears throat> I was like, okay, I like I asked for like a, a certain amount of product or whatever, and then they were like, okay, like we can do this, and then I asked for like a significant amount more than like I thought they would ever give me, and they were like, okay, and it was kind of like I've never counter offered. Uh, oh yeah, I've I've counted offered a couple times and it's worked out significantly in my favor because if the way i thought of it like my my thought like i i assume you think the same way you're like oh i already have this sponsorship like i don't want to blow it by asking for more Mm -hmm. but i think it's like if they're already taking an interest in you and saying like oh we want to sponsor you they're not just gonna i don't at least from my perspective, they're not going to pull that all away just because you kind of like asked for a little bit more or something like that. So like I had a company, I asked for more and they said, I'm sorry, we can't do more than like this amount of discount. So this is what I can still offer you. So they didn't say like, Oh, we're retracting our offer. They just said, Hey, like, thanks for asking, but this is all we can give you where I've had another company where they offered me this amount. And I was like, how about this amount? And they said, okay, let's meet in the middle and do this. And it that was also worked out in my favor. Works with jobs too. If you, you know, negotiate for a salary or a, I, a pay, I, I, something I'm like really, that. I'm actually really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you're good at that, yeah. then you would be perfect at, uh, you know, negotiating a sponsorship. And that's not something I'm necessarily good at. So, like my first job, I was like, 
I they were like, here's what we'll pay you, and I was like, okay. And yeah, I, I've been every, fucked so many times say, though. So they like, always say negotiate your first job, and I'm like, man, I I should have done that. Dude, but you uh, know, you live and you learn. I know. I finally got out of a job where they actually pay me decently, like my worth. So yeah. and they gave me a fucking company vehicle today. It's a Ford, but there I'll you go. with it. It's always an, a good feeling, like, especially with like sponsors and like jobs. Like when you feel that you're getting, like compensated for what like you're providing like what you're worth you you feel like you want to like if a company gives you more than you think like you're worth or like what you feel like you really want to give back to that company yep, and you really want to like, promote and that like i've noticed like a long way like it goes a long way when companies like even like i've had a company that sponsored me they didn't give me like a huge discount it wasn't i mean it wasn't anything crazy but they're like super active with like either they'll like repost my content or they'll like comment on my stuff or they just interact with me. I have that problem that where it, they don't repost my content and like the content I have, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's total trash, but it's like I get good quality pictures from, you know, and you got to yeah. pay for those. Those aren't free. Yeah. But that goes like in, in my head, that goes a super long way with me like wanting to support that company more that they're just like always like they're supporting me i support them and it's like we both grow in a sense together rather than um the one-way street of oh me always tagging you and posting you and pushing your product over here and doing all that stuff and then you feel like they're just not really i mean they gave if they give you a product or a discount you they still like kind of paid their their debt but you just don't feel that like I guess like personal connection with the company that you would feel with someone who's always, um, you know, talking with you and doing all that stuff. Yeah. And then some people feel like they're doing like a huge service by posting on their fucking Instagram Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. all 600 followers. (laughs) They're like, I do all this work for you. I'm like, dude, slow your fucking roll. Like you posted something that took six minutes and six minutes because you're slow at thinking of what to say. So people do that. But and, at the same time, yeah. at the same time, like from that aspect, it's like it is like like you are like kind of helping them. And it's like even like for me, it's like if a, if a company gives me like a $500 product or even a 50% off of like, you know, so it's like they have $500 invested in me. That's probably still within their profit margin or whatever. But now if I like over my entire year, I talked to three people and three of those people buy a product from them and they make their money back. It's like, yeah, I might not have had a large following. I might not have had anything, but I had the right connections to get someone else on their product. And I think that that goes back to your whole personal connection thing. If, if you can just get someone to go in and you can promote their product in a way that will get them more, more customers, it doesn't matter if you have 600 or 600,000 followers. It's just kind of like you're providing, you know, more marketing to their company. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out next year. Cause I think I'm going to try to go in with it. I don't, I don't even, uh, I'm actually might be dropping all of them next year. For my sponsorship. It depends. Uh, just because, like, the deal I'm kind of getting. Like, yeah, it's good. It goes 20, like both ways. And 20%. I'm, I'm like, mm, I think it's time to go. 
So. Yeah, and I've I've kind of been in in this like that sort of like situation myself, <clears throat> where it's like, you know, you don't feel like you're getting like a, a a deal, or you know, you don't feel like you're going anywhere with the company or something like that. And I guess it just comes down to like, do you see yourself working with that company in the future, or is it just kind of someone you can kind of like live without? Where it's like, if you venture to a new company and potentially they treat you better for a year, it's like, is it worth it in your long run, or is it worth it to kind of like burn a bridge with another company? Yeah, it's I, I I'm trust me, I'm going through the the, the same thing as you, where it's like, okay next year is like a it's not necessarily a clean slate but it's a new slate of like we're going up to a next level so well it's not necessarily i'm not gonna like burn a bridge and be like hey fuck off yeah. like, i would never do that yeah but yeah. i would just in the profession be like hey thank you for last year but i think it's time i'm I, like i'm gonna yeah 100 percent. definitely stay professional i would not uh i would not no exactly well that you know <laughs> dude the stories i hear are fucking nuts so especially doing this show, like, and I'm not even like on. The, I'm. I can only imagine what like the other guys here, from you know, the the better podcast. Like, I'm pretty sure they hear some crazy shit. Like the whole Huddy thing. Like, I haven't heard it all yet. I'm waiting for it. Oh yeah, there's there's a dude. It's fucking <laughs> crazy. So it's just, we just the should I hear about how like drivers act? I'm like, damn. Oh yeah. He did what? <laughs> And it's, well, that's the whole thing behind yeah. social media. It's like you have no idea what goes Dude, on. Yeah, and then you even see drivers who will like actively post about something, and then all of a sudden it's over with. Yeah. So, and that kind of becomes questionable because it's just like I'm very uh, observant, so I know mm-hmm. when people are posting something because I they do it all the time, and then when they stop, it's like, oh, I wonder what happened. Yeah. And then it just becomes like, oh, I'm curious now. What did happen? But I don't care enough to ask him, so. I always figure it'll surface, or I'll hear it through the grapevine eventually. Yeah, things always things always tend to come out that I've seen. It's <coughs> like there's always, you know, some drama behind the scenes somewhere, some way, somehow. And uh, it's, if, it, it's, if it's big enough, it, it comes out. I know, it's funny too. Uh, but we'll see how that how everything rolls out this year. So, uh, with your plan for next year, let's get into what you got going on. All right, we kind of went on a, a long tangent about sponsorships. Um, so, yeah. what's your what's your truck and uh, trailer like? What's that setup going to be? Uh, what is your pl- what is your game plan, like realistically? So, um, so truck and trailer, I have my current setup, which is a F three fifty with a open car potentially moving to a closed um an enclosed trailer or potentially a uh, a rig of sorts still working out deals on that situation so um i think truck is my my truck and trailer is kind of like my go-to secondary plan um but uh working on a potential rig situation for next year to have travel and everything ready um that's kind of like my main my main concern not even building the car it's it's more of the travel and like getting set up for these events with everyone working because you know all all my my team is my friends like i can't i can't afford to pay them and i couldn't afford to pay them last year and it's kind of like 
we're all kind of doing this because we all like doing this. Like I, my, my roommate, Steven, he helped me last year. He was my spotter. And this year he's running the East 10 or next year, 2020, he's running East 10 pro-am. So I will be helping on his team just like he helped me out for me. And then he will be hopefully helping me out for pro two as much as he can. I know it's a lot of time to take off for everyone because pro two it's like i kind of almost wish it was the other way around where pro two is over the weekend where the pro one guys who literally their job is driving they can drive during the week but you know it's it's just getting all all your uh your team together so i'll pretty much have my same team potentially plus or minus one or two people depending on the round and california is going to be a really hard one for a lot of people to make because it's so far and getting everyone off work to drive that far if not having to pay to fly friends out is going to be one that we're going to figure out when we get there so yeah um did you listen to the episode with rome uh no i don't believe i listened to that one uh, he kind of goes into detail about some things, so maybe I'll give you some ideas. Yeah. Um, about logistics of just running Pro Two, like if it was if it was cheaper to fly in and out of Orlando, or if it was cheaper to fly in and out of Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, if the, so that's something you might want to look into. Yeah. See, my main thing, like, I'm not, like, I I do pretty well on operating on like low resources i guess you would say as far as tools and kind of costs and everything where i don't at least from my perspective i feel like i don't need to have like a big rig full of tools and all that stuff and you know a huge stack of trailer and everything like that like i'm perfectly fine with my like setup and like travel tools and i'll have my spares i have a couple pelican cases that have all my you know spare stuff and everything with it so my thing is basically i have a old like 2001 f350 so it's the old 7.3 where it's starting to show its its weaknesses and stuff like that where i'm just i'm almost questioning if it will make all the trips so I'm kind of starting to slowly look into selling my BRZ that I've had for a while and selling the truck and getting something a little newer and just getting potentially like a truck and an enclosed trailer and go that route. And that's where I'll have to listen to your other podcast with Rome and, and see kind of like logistics wise what would be more feasible for someone like me. Yeah, uh, he was very in, informative about that um something you might want to look into keep your like is it going to be cheaper to fly yeah. into lax yeah. or have your guys See, fly luckily, into lax and drive up or is it going to be cheaper to just fly them up there? i don't know but it could be yeah luckily my not. sister lives over in la so i could you know rendezvous stay there and save a hotel or <laughs> well i'm gonna tell something. you right now la is nowhere near sonoma yeah, I know. It's like a solid six-hour drive. Yeah. Probably more. I, I had one thought. I was like, what I'll do is I will I will drive the truck and trailer out there, and then I'll sell the truck and trailer there, and then have, like, store the car over there until someone can ship it back to me in, like, 
that would be the end of the truck. <laughs> like that was, that was my thought on that was like, just drive it one way and then not have to deal with taking it back and just sell it over there. It's not the worst idea. Yeah. There, the, I, my thing is I have almost a year to like plan. That's, that's almost where my, my entire thought of this whole like pro pro two travel is going is that California trip. Everything else is fine with me. Like Orlando, obviously the easiest one. And then, I think, uh, um, or is it E-Town and or is it in St. Louis? Those are both around 15 hours. So those are one-day drives for me. So <clears throat> those aren't as bad. It's just that 50-hour California drive is not looking too fun. Yeah, but are you, you're considering coming, you're considering driving back home every single time, right? Yeah. Okay, so have you looked into, like, renting renting something out so like, let's say if you could rent a space to park your truck and trailer hopefully it's an enclosed trailer at the yeah. time yeah at a storage place I, and that could be like 100 200 bucks a month as opposed to you spending the 600 dollars, 700 dollars in fuel back home yeah well my thought was and and i've seen people do that is if the car like how reliable is my car going to be like will it need any maintenance after the fact will we be making any changes will we be you know upgrading like but, stuff like that hey man you got thirty six thousand followers make some friends show up at somebody's <laughs> garage oh yeah for sure but at the same time it's like do i want to be making those repairs a thousand miles from home and all that stuff where you know if i drive back i have i think I think it's like a month between each round. I haven't looked at the exact dates, but I assume that that's how it kind of was for Pro-Am. But I mean, if the car is obviously solid, I know between, I think it was between uh, grid life and round four, that was like a month and the car needed like nothing. That was the most relaxed I've ever been. Like the whole year was just not really having to worry about the car being like, okay, I need to change tires, change the oil and that's it. And uh, I think if the car gets to that point, then, yeah, I would be 100% down to go and store the, store the car, especially up for those two northern rounds. Uh, that would be great. But at the same time, how I wonder, like, if I were to fly back or because I can't I can't stay up there for that long with work and everything. So, like, flying back, you know, potentially a crew of four to six people. Would that be cheaper than the gas? And that's where I, you know, kind of figuring out the logistics of things. As of now, it's just driving both ways and calling quits. Yeah. Well, I'm probably going to be there, so. Yeah. We'll need, link if, up and. If you need help, let me know. No, no, I, th yeah, I think I'm planning the trip. Just me, my girlfriend, and my son. Uh, my son may not go because he kind of. He's just not into it. So I probably just won't bring him because he'll be like, can we go home now? How old is he? He's eight. And he's been at the track. I think I started going in 2015. Yeah. So I don't would... think I got into, I think I got into like motor, like motor vehicles. I think it wasn't until I was like probably like 10, 12. And then I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. Like loud I'm just noises gonna, and I'm going to try to like and... deprive him of it. And then, uh. Like, be like, make it forbidden, and then maybe he'll want to do it. Like, some little reverse <laughs> psychology. 
Like, get out of here. You can't look at the car. Has Has he ridden in the car before? No, he wants to. He did ask that. He's like, hey, when's this going to happen? I was like, actually, this year probably. Don't worry. That's the goal because my I'm girlfriend sure. wants to do it too. Oh, she hasn't either? No, I've never had a passenger oh. seat in any car. Well, oh, I did, but I just, I think I've taken like one passenger and that was like my buddy. The first time I went drifting, so that was a shit show. Not that it's any better, you know, now, but yeah. we'll see. I got another, I got another seat, so it'll probably go in soon. Giving rides is one of my like favorite things, especially to people like who have never ridden in the car before. Really? You know, I hear some people yeah. are like, I don't do ride-alongs anymore because it's a. Well, I don't it depends hurt on like if you. Well, yeah. The other thing is like the liability. That's the one thing. Luckily at at. OSW, we have like <clears throat> like liability that will cover all the drivers. But we had a ride along event. It was right after the uh, the big hurricane that hit. So we did a charity ride along event that helped with like relocating pets that were affected and stuff. So it was like you pay five bucks, you get a ticket, you can go up to any driver at the event, be like, I want to ride with you. And drivers who participated got to just give them a ride and stuff. And I had, um, it was, I gave a ride to the son and the dad was in my friend's car and it was, they'd been in the U S for like two days. They were from Brazil. They were like, yeah, we just heard about it on Facebook and we came over here. The nice. fastest car we've ever been in was like a 70 horsepower little car. And I was like, well, you're in a V8 car now and we're about to go sideways. And it was their first time ever experiencing anything like that. And it was just really cool seeing like how much it made someone's day like for us it was just another lap at the course and you know you give someone a ride <clears throat> but for them it was like they probably talked about it forever i mean it probably made their day and they had a crazy time but for you it was just kind of like oh you just drove a lap and they had fun in the passenger seat and i don't know for me it's kind of like giving people that like cool experience and like making other people like, man, that was so much fun. Kind of like puts a smile on my face, just like puts a smile on theirs and both people benefit. So, but there are times I will admit that, you know, people will be asking me for like, Oh, can I get a ride along? Can I get a ride along? And you don't really want to change passengers. You just like, okay, I just, I'm just going to go drive. Like I'm not going to do that now. But so I, I do see how people are, they don't want to do it all the time. And there's a time and place for it. Yeah. But, uh, so I have to go to work super early tomorrow, so I'm going to get to these, uh, Instagram questions. I know I did. I got to be up at, right. at four thirty. It's, uh, Ooh. almost eight o'clock my time. Yeah. You need to go to bed. Yeah, I know. It's been rough. It's, it's terrible. Uh, I've got, a. they have me going to San Diego all week from LA. So that's like a solid two hour drive without traffic. And I live in SoCal, so it's nothing but traffic. Um, Don't get some of these Instagram questions. If I don't answer any, and you're listening to this, feel free to DM me on Instagram, and I will get back. We only got four. (coughs) Oh, whopping four. Okay. A whole lot. Well, you know, you got a bigger reach than I do, so I thought you were going to get them. Um, Oh, I probably got some. Did you? Let me check. Yeah, how about we find out? So, I directed people to your account. You so know, I know. I saw that. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I know. I made the mistake, like, before not asking people, like, just to post about that you were on here yeah. and share it on your story. I always thought that was <laughs> going to be, like, a given. 
I didn't think I had to ask, and then I learned the hard way. So. Oh yeah. I think that's kind of held the show back because I'm almost a year old, and. Uh, I don't get why people wouldn't want to. It's like you're. I, see, I've never asked like, though. I've never. I've never specifically asked like I do now. Like I wrote that thing and I keep that in my my little notes column and I copy and paste it to everybody that comes on now. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, see, like I want. I, you're like, the first one. You're the guinea pig. <laughs> Yeah, like I would want people to hear this, like or people that are interested in like stuff like this. Like, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt about it, and it wasn't even about um, anything else. I was like, you know, somebody yeah. might want to hear this, like your list, your followers. Like I'm sure you listen to like the Maximum Driftcast. I fucking love that goddamn podcast. Yeah. I listen to every episode. So like, so like I don't listen to it because someone tells me you should listen. I listen to it because I see someone. I'm like, oh, I want to listen to that. Like I want to hear what they have to say about this. So. I try to get through the Grid Life episodes, but since I'm not a, I don't, I don't hate them. I just like, yeah, they're just announcing Grid Life people. I'm like, oh, this, this is useless information for me. So I'm going to keep on, I still listen to them though. Um, so I got a couple, I got four. Speaking of Maximum Driftcast, I'm I'm just going to start with this one because this is a this is a very maximum drift cast question, and I wouldn't. I want to answer it as fast as possible. Tommy Gun with an O instead of a Z, or with a zero instead of an O. Would you rather fight a hundred dykes? <laughs> Dyke? <laughs> Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized Pat Goodens or one Pat Gooden sized duck? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I like I don't one, deliver those questions as well because I've heard them so many fucking times. Definitely one Pat Gooden-sized duck because he will be big and slow, and I can maneuver around him quicker. But he can fly and fuck you up. What if yeah, he webs you with his hundred, feet? I don't know you know how hard it is to keep track? You have kids. How hard would it be to keep track of five kids at once? I only got fucking one, so I could barely handle him. I do have yeah, so now four dogs. And it's hard to deal with four dogs. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. See, yeah, now multiply that by 25. And there's your 100. And that's why 100 little pats running around would be very difficult. Can I just abandon them? Yeah. Right. Uh, I, we already just... Excuse me. We already discussed this. Uh, it says AFOC underscore 36. Uh, when do you plan to go Pro 2? You said next year, correct? Yep, okay. that's the plan. Um, we have King underscore Chapo. There's no Iron King. Anybody in the Pacific Northwest got a rear-wheel drive running <laughs> car for around a grand that <laughs> is street legal? Ooh, around a grand. Yeah, well, and you know, those, that's not that's not verbatim. His exact words were anybody <laughs> got in the Pacific Northwest. Got a rear-wheel drive daily possible drift car for 1K, but I broke it down. Exactly. I had to break it down a little bit just to be like, someone's like, hey, I got this shit box. <laughs> you can turn it into whatever you want. It's registered. You know, that's kind of the big thing. Anything daily slash drift car and Dude. under 1,000 is not going to be a good time. I know. I know. I used to, I just picked up another one for free too. Uh, I owned about <laughs> like three Jeep Cherokee XJs. I've never, ever, ever paid more than $1,200 for one. 
and every single one I've owned was a total shitbox. <laughs> and I fucking love them. Like, they're the best. And then my dad got one for free. He's like, here, do you want it? I was like, yes. There you go. Let's see. Uh, we got... You can make a... No. So you can make a quality one out of all three of them. Just Dude, no, the other ones are gone. They're gone. Oh. This this one I just got. It needs a little bit of body work, and it won't start, so I'll see what it is later. I'm going to try to flip it so I can make some extra cash. Um, We have a... Uh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, but I'm pretty sure you guys are friends. Tazins? Yeah, that's he, Jonathan Wang. He was the one who helped with the rap. Why are you so mad? <laughs> why am I so mad? Matt. M-A-T-T. Matt? Why am I so Matt? Yeah, why are you so you, it seems. Why am I so mad? That is an actual difficult question. Why am I so mad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, got he's... me there. Um, no, he he actually he was actually he uh, if you watch any I have I have a YouTube channel. I don't know if you know. I have a couple of videos from Pro Am and um, other events, but he did a couple like good edits. He he edited uh, and filmed a couple of my videos on my uh, on my YouTube and so. It was pretty good. I thought I'd give him a shout out there. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, anything that we didn't cover that you would like to discuss? Somebody no, I'm ask? sure there's something. I'm, I know, Like right? I said, if anyone has always, any... I know. I had to get Tyler back on. We were, he was supposed to be yeah. on, but it was a shit show yeah. of scheduling. We'll come on together or something. Uh, out together? It's fine. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's a terrible joke. But yeah. Um, so I said, if anyone has any questions, feel free to DM me. I get, I try and get back to every single person, message or comments with a question or something. So, oh, okay, good. Uh, if there's anything I didn't cover, I try and communicate to everyone. So, I do too. If except you have any for, burning questions, except for when I get a hi on Facebook from some guy, and <laughs> wherever he's from, not from here. Yeah. And I just, I'm like, block on Messenger. We can still be <laughs> friends. Um, thank you again for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and sorry, you know, this is probably the longest show I've had in a while, so we'll go with that. <laughs> I try to have one with. I had a, actually a really long show with Kendra Messer not too long ago. She did, she runs the Texas Speed Texas Speed. Fuck, sorry. She runs in uh, Lone Star Drift, and uh, my dumbass deleted the oh. episode we were fucking recording by accident. <laughs> so. That went to shit, um, and I couldn't oh. recover it. So you know, man, we'll yeah. try not to delete this one. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually gonna if upload not. it immediately, so I don't have to deal with it tomorrow. <laughs> Since there's no editing needed, I just need to cut off the first half. Hey, um, how do you pronounce your last name? Because uh, I got to make sure it's Mogensen. right. Mogensen. Mogensen. Matt Mogensen. Yeah. Is it Matthew or is it Matt? Matt. Matt Mogensen. Okay, I'm not. I'm going to forget that, and I'm actually going to hang up and then record the intro right away, <laughs> and I'm still going to fuck it up. Um, hey, man, thank you again. You're more than welcome to come on anytime. Um, I do appreciate your time and waiting for me. I know we set yeah. a different time. Um, and sponsors you'd like to thank, you know, shout out. How can people reach you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably I, – I check that most often. Oh, shit.
so everything so I, like i said like if you if you contact me on there uh i will get back to you what's, almost 100 percent of the time unless it's something really dumb what's your um, uh, at, handle my instagram handle is at matt the ginge so it's matt the ginger that. with no r <laughs> yeah so um the yeah, e is so silent sponsors, yeah the e is silent ging yeah, yeah sure we'll yeah, i know yeah somebody's gonna say that <laughs> Yeah, but sponsors for for the last season, so I'd like to thank them. So BC Racing, um, LZ Manufacturing, so he helped me out a lot. Uh, Bell Raceworks did a lot of like cage work and helped me with some other stuff. Mishimoto Comp Cams, reason I made some power. Um, Collins Garage, so helped me with the transmission mount and Njuku Racing ISR, Cosmos with the wheels, Deechworks with the fuel setup, and Phipps Engineering with uh, some of my interior stuff and got that all settled so thanks to all of them honestly couldn't have done it without them my friends or family as well like i know it's cliche to say like oh couldn't have done it without them but i literally could not would not have made it anywhere where i am without their help so thanks to them and all their help they provided me no oh, definitely just but again thank you sir you have a good night thanks you too get some sleep and, and we'll, have fun at work tomorrow yeah i know <laughs> oh that's the at least they pay me to drive, so I'm not going to bitch. So, <laughs> there you go. Hey, man. You have a good one, dude. You too. All right. Bye.